my god, everybody's got a fever! Hello and welcome to episode number 61 of Grumpy Old Benz. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America just outside of Chirac where we're not yet storming the capital, but we're going to get there, I'm thinking. And from America's left coast where the governors are keeping the economy behind a paywall. I'm Ryan Bimrose. Isn't that what they all do? Keeping the economy behind a paywall? Well, normally you get at least some free, you know, first one's free, that sort of thing. Like Uh, drugs. But at. Yeah, at this point, they're they're holding the entire economy back with some cheap JavaScript and uh, cookies and a CSS fade out saying, if you would like access to the rest of your economy, please go get injected with Bill Gates vaccine. Oh, my God. I mean, when the government's involved in anything, we know hilarity is going to ensue. Uh, We've not yet gotten our stimulus check, but we understood why, because the last tax return we filed actually owed a little bit of money in 2018 so they didn't have how banking information you. i know how dare we pay the government anything but well, because of that, that the original thing that just gave us the error message over on the irs website which would basically just said uh yeah i don't know now finally came <laughs> up with we don't have your information yeah. so we put that in we, and we, now it's okay. we were going to give you money but but you didn't pay us the vig that we were trying to steal from you last year, so right. we're just going to hold it back. And shame, shame, you terrible citizen for not having the right amount of money extorted from you. Kind of. And it is something that is still confusing to a lot of people in the, you know, the question was, because I guess when the Bush administration, there was something sent out similar, but it was just like a... Um, you know, you're, you're getting your money back earlier than it was taxable. And this is a bit of a different animal, yeah. but I know a lot of people were confused thinking this was taxable, maybe going to put them into a different tax bracket, maybe cost them more to get the money than not, but this is not taxable. So that's a good thing. <laughs> I mean, if anything, okay, I, I, is, is that a real thing at me? You know, I'm, I'm no tax attorney, not that I can't, you know, fake it and bloviate about it anyway, but. Uh, it, people saying, oh, I don't want extra money because it'll put me into a different tax bracket. Uh, e- each bracket is prorated for the size of the bracket below, which means that more money always, even even if it's a, a very small amount because they decide to withhold 75% of it or whatever, uh, m- more income still means you get more money at the end of the day. There's There's no scenario where somebody can pay you an extra dollar and now now you have more in taxes stolen from you than you would have otherwise is there well as dc girl in the troll rooms pointing out as you move up the percentage could go up of what you owe so if you're right on that uh line there so i mean if you this is very this is simplistic but if you make you know a hundred thousand a year if you're paying five percent in taxes and when you make a hundred and one thousand dollars a year it goes up to seven percent for everything then yeah, you don't want that extra thousand. Well, that but that's not how it works. No, I know. Uh, I mean, I, I I understand. I'm not very good at math, but if I'm not mistaken, it's like uh, suppose the brackets are the first fifty thousand are taxed at at five percent, and you make fifty three thousand, uh, you know, or, or you make you know you make forty eight thousand. Somebody gives you a five thousand dollar check. Here you go. 
then the first 50,000 of that is taxed at the lower rate. 5% at the low rate. And then everything over that 50,000. So the, the last 3,000 is taxed at the higher rate. So it, it's not like they go and change the rate on the whole thing. It's the, the rate on the first bottom part is always a little bit higher or uh, is always the lower rate. And then everything over the threshold is taxed at the higher rate. Seems to now, make sense. All, which, which, I mean, it makes sense. So the, the idea that you get put into a higher bracket is, is a little silly and, and maybe that's how taxes worked in the past and maybe that's how some state extortion i mean tax <laughs> that's uh, possible laws work but uh, it's not how the federal works and i'm i'm believe it or not and this is one of the weirdest things considering i'm on the left coast is i am in a state with no income tax so whoa. the only filing that i ever do is federal well is that well yeah that is a hell of a good reason to have a company in that state i suppose for your employees <laughs> yeah there's lots and lots and lots of really bad tax reasons to get in fact uh it was uh 12 years ago that the the largest company in the state suddenly became microsoft i i, I suddenly overnight work be, began working for the biggest company in the state of washington uh, not because Microsoft did any growing or anything like that, but because Microsoft had been second and the largest company based in the state of Washington gave a big FU to the state governor and the state legislature, all of whom were constantly nickel and diming the fuck out of them with business taxes and, and payroll taxes and everything else. And Boeing got up fucking left and said, yeah, we're going to leave our plants here because we can't move all the workers. But our headquarters is now in Chicago. Woo-hoo. Good barbecue ribs. What is your yeah. sales tax rate in the area there? Uh, it's like uh, 10%. So about the same as here. Uh, and we have. It's maybe 11 and I think it's 11, uh, 11 and a half in Seattle. But uh, where I am, it's about 10. Yeah, it's about we got here. Sales tax. We also have, of course, the uh, state income tax. And our state is flat broke. Yay. Thank you. Democratic yeah. control. Well, don't worry. They're they're going to be demanding a bailout from U.S. Congress and probably getting it because Congress, of course, is uh, if if they are if they want to get reelected and they are they need to be seen to be doing something to help people and helping people means giving your money to corrupt state governments. Well, that, COVID that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, COVID. I'm sorry. That's the excuse this time. Yeah. COVID. I mean, that's why the state of Illinois is broke. COVID. I mean, let's not look at the fact that it was broke three months ago. No, it's, it, 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 I mean, very little has changed in the state finances other than uh, we've, we've done a fantastic job of stomping on the economy, but we're not feeling that yet. That's going to be felt for the next two to five years. The, the fallout from the economic damage that has been done by these overzealous politicians. With, well. One of the yeah. interesting things about this is going to be there is a lot of power in the hands of the president at this moment because states like Illinois who are asking for a bailout and we all understand the yeah. the, the what's going on and I don't yeah. believe that the Fed should bail them out but from what I understand, some of the negotiating I, I don't is, believe the Fed should ever bail out anything. I don't believe that the money which has been stolen from me should be handed to somebody who made poor business decisions, whether they be a company that's quote unquote too big to fail or a local government that is run by corrupt politicians. I don't care. It it used it used to be my money before it was taken at gunpoint by the fucking IRS. 
it needs to be spent on something that benefits me and not f- incentivizing terrible business decisions. But we could just print more money. Haven't you figured that part out? We could just keep printing it. No problem. Uh, the Fed can do yeah. that. Of course, the states can't. Can but I get off this ride? From what I understand, the White House is looking at people like Illinois and I'm sure California that want some help. They're like, you know, bail us out and going, you have sanctuary cities. We're not giving you any money. So now, <laughs> oh, the, I re- yeah, now the question is going to be, you know, where does the big you know, governors go for these these mm-hmm. states? Do they go? Well, then we have to get rid of the sanctuary cities for the money. Wh- which will they choose? That would be the intriguing part. I don't think any of it should be bailed out. But if there is going to be one, it will be interesting to see what governors do when you go. Oh, you want federal funds? Then you have to get rid of the sanctuary cities. Will they do it? I don't know. It's a lot of money. It, that is, in fact, a lot of money. And uh, I don't know. I think uh, I think they're going to find some way to weasel in to take the money and then like they'll, they'll just drop the sanctuary status for about five minutes. Right. And then before the federal law enforcement has a chance to mobilize, they'll take the money, spend it all, and then immediately go back to sanctuary status. And then... When the feds come back and say, no, 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 you didn't honor the terms of the deal, be like, well, we already dedicated this money to homeless children of <laughs> drug addicts, and you don't want to steal money from children, do you? Sure. The states and cities that are releasing dangerous prisoners is another really weird thing that's going on at these. But it makes sense. They need space in the prisons. Because they need somewhere to put all of the people who are going to the park with their families during this lockdown without masks. During these troubling times, we need to be able to put the parents that take their kids to the park in jail and release the violent murderers, rapists, and all those kind of people. But troubling times. That's another great bit of doublespeak. (laughs) Troubling time. You. The, the times are troubled because you fucking caused it, you political dipshit. Is anything uh, that, that anytime I say something to my wife, it seems lately, you know, that just she doesn't, you know, want to give a flippant answer. It's like, well, you know, during these troubling times, yeah. Know, so, like, when are you gonna when are you gonna make breakfast? Yeah, well, see, I always make breakfast, but this, so that doesn't really work. But you know, any of those kind of questions, you know, hey, you gonna do this? You know, during these troubling times, we need to look at our at our priorities and the thing that blows my mind is the reason that is being given by these people that want to release these prisoners especially here in the chicago area cook county that uh, that they bloviate out is well the prisons are a death sentence and it's like really yeah is, is wait well they're a death and, sentence and, and anyway so is so is being locked at home while your economy crumbles around you because everybody is in poverty and all of the people who've never turned to crime before are being pushed out onto the street because they can't pay fucking rent and they can't buy groceries and they're hungry and they're going to go out and yeah. But how is it a death sentence? What we're doing is we're turning the rest of the world into the prisons. They're going to realize the prison isn't a punishment because letting these people out on the street is worse. Well, there's no doubt about that, but I don't know how it's a death sentence when they're catching the same virus that people are catching when they go to the grocery store or whatever. I haven't caught any virus going to the grocery store. No, and not everybody's going to catch there's it no in prison, so it's certainly here. not a death sentence, which is is the point. I mean, I haven't heard of any prisons yet where it's like 80% of the population has died. 
it's like well you know older prisoners I mean, that sure. is a that is an overcrowded prison solution yeah but, yeah but it's not what the the for-profit prisoner or prison administrators want because they don't get paid when people die in prison they get paid to keep them there indefinitely as many as possible but the concept of let the criminals out because they might get a virus doesn't make sense at all in any um, way shape no. or form no yeah i mean I, I i might be cynical i'm i'm i've come to the conclusion that anytime somebody speaks about public safety they they might be crazy you think so and i i mean there there's there might be virus in prisons but these people i mean okay so stop pressing them together with a fucking squeezer uh there's no real there's no virus out on the streets all these people walking around, they wouldn't let me into Costco. I walked up to Costco and I went, went to go in there like, well, you have to have a mask. And I'm like, then I'm not fucking shopping here anymore. Can I go in there? Can I go in there and cancel my fucking subscription? Oh, I'm sorry. We can't let you in the building. Okay. Then uh, you'll be getting a phone. Yeah. I just fucking left. I, I no. and they said, well, no, sir, you have Fuck to come you. in to cancel. <laughs> I can do that over the phone. Also, I'm not canceling yet. I just wanted to make a scene because of course I'm, you know, totally. I, I have no balls and improper. I, well, I, that you know of. I'm not that I'm showing you. As off. you no, said, the, there's no virus out there. What there is is a shitload of Karens who are snitching on each other like we're the goddamn Third Reich. Well, there is a virus. There's no question about that. But the the response to it, all of a sudden, if this was so bad that we've been sheltering in place for a month or more, why all of a sudden? It, do the masks come into play that i don't really understand because everybody has been doing their shopping without masks <laughs> right i mean that's an intriguing yeah, I thought social part. distancing was supposed to be the way to go like when when they they force you they don't let enough people go in they're like okay i'm sorry this this building is only the size of you know it's only the size of an airplane hangar but we can't let more than 30 people inside at a time that's that was supposed to be enough which, which is great when they force everybody to line up outside the store. Well, here's what doesn't make sense to me when you're hearing these things about even the places that are opening up, especially restaurants where, well, we can open up with 25% capacity. One, that's probably not enough to keep these restaurants in business, but let's forget about the economic side of that. Let's again well, no, look at No, that's not a good idea. We can't forget about the economic side of it. But for a minute, we can forget about that and just look at restaurants or any buildings like that that have ventilation systems that move air around. The CDC had a report, I think we talked about it, and there was a Chinese restaurant that the three quarters of it that was under another ventilation part, another air, um, what would you call it, uh, you know, air movement. So uh vent right well the, the part that was under the, you know that was you know had the airflow by the there were two parts of their ventilation system yeah. the airflow that was on the second part nobody was ill nobody got sick the other part of the restaurant which was like a third of the restaurant that had one person allegedly ill ended up having like 12 people get sick because of the way this blew the air back and forth across that area which tells me this is airborne so seating people six feet apart is meaningless if you have an AC unit or something that's actually moving the air from you know your table to the next guy's table to the next guy's table. That air travels, believe it or not. It's uh, it, it's a it's a fallacy 
that you can just open up with 25% capacity and think people are safe because of air currents that happen. Well, here, here's the trick. If, if you open up and everybody who walks in is, is healthy because that's who we've been quarantining is healthy people. But how do you verify sick? How do you verify that? Uh, trust, but verify. No, um, <laughs> trust you, people. You, Come on. Yeah, that's you, not Bemrose. I trust P I trust individuals to uh, act in self-interest and behave generally good. As long as all else is equal. I, I, you know, believe it or not, I am really an optimist. I, I have a lot of faith in human nature. I, to be humans, which human nature is, uh, people will, you know, in, in order of priority, uh, people will generally act in self-interest. They will act to make sure that they get what they feel like they deserve. They will, you know, do do right for themselves. Uh, all else being equal, if their own self-interest isn't in jeopardy, they will be. Most people will be good, and a few people will be total assholes. And those people need to be punched in the face as often as you can, well, at least as often as you can get away with it. Well, it'll be interesting moving on because as you. Uh, called it before we started the show up it's popcorn time in oh yeah in michigan and elsewhere are you enjoying this this is this is fascinating you know before before this existential economic lockdown that that was forced on us uh it looked like the the real breaking point of the country where left versus right was going to turn into a shooting war was going to be virginia because the the dumbass leftist asshole was was basically trying to pretend that half the bill of rights didn't exist and pass a bunch of laws blocking or you know banning guns and banning you know people from protesting and it it was it was a real shit show and virginia's almost fallen off the map because you know the dude i don't remember his name the dude from virginia was like yeah i can stomp on rights and and here comes gretchen whitmer from the state of michigan who's all hold my beer <laughs> And my, my and my mascara, and no she doubt. Is, so, <laughs> so hold my wine spritzer. Uh huh. Was that sexist? You know, I don't know. I, she, she used the one, another one, just like the mayor of Chicago, I believe, that had a uh, hairstylist come in to do her hair, even though everybody else, no barbers, no go to the hair, no, no bad. No, I I had to sharpen my cat's claws and put her on my head. That, but, uh, so yeah, the the latest news that I read, uh, from. Gretchen Whitmer of of Michigan was that the emergency declaration that six weeks ago when she said let's shut down all human activity because humans are really good at being caged, uh, that declaration the emergency declaration that supposedly gave her the power to halt everybody's lives whether they were sick or not expired. It expired um, well yesterday. And she had been asking the legislature to extend it so that she could continue to disrupt everybody's lives for another month. And the legislature refused to do it, which I mean, may or may not have been a political thing, but I'm kind of in the in the camp of the legislature. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> let my people go. Um, we, we need we cannot remain caged forever or the world will turn into prison life and and then we'll end up having de facto socialism and and then we have to have shooting revolutions and I don't want to get shot but 
because the legislature did not bow to her demands to extend the lockdown of Michigan for another month, instead, she let the emergency that she declared expire. And then she went ahead and used an executive order to declare a new emergency. And there is something really fucking wrong that all of these state laws that say, oh, in an emergency, we need to just give the governor absolute power to do everything. Every state has these laws that say that uh, all we have to do is declare an emergency. And once we've decided that it's an emergency, all of your your rule of law and your constitutional protections and everything that protects people from government overbearance, all of the things that, that the country was founded on when they created the Bill of Rights and said, these are things government shouldn't do, all that goes out the window. In fact, the, the U.S. Supreme Court has confirmed that all you have to do is say it's an emergency. Public safety. And, That's the magic and, words, right? Yeah. Well, I've, I've got a rant about public safety that I've recorded and haven't edited to get to you. It was, I, I made extensive notes about that one. So I, I asked, I said, well, is this something that would be interesting? And you're like, that sounds like a new product. And I said, oh, work. But <laughs> right. anyways, uh, these, these state governors and, you know, the, the biggest one, the place where you saw it coming down the pipe forever was uh, we are nationally, the United States is still in a state of emergency that was declared after 9-11, which was. Uh, please give me the president the power to send troops anywhere in the world so that we can rubbleize places and bend them to our political will. And that became so politically convenient that it has just been an emergency forever. And I, I have a real problem with any law that says in an emergency, uh, all laws go out the window. We're not a democracy. We're not even a republic anymore. We are despotism. That that's that's fucking wrong, and that is that is exactly the loophole. That's why what this Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan is doing is technically legal because everybody was like, "Oh, well, you know, we've got all of these checks and balances on the government, but they just get in the way during an emergency," and so we've and and there's no threshold for what an emergency is. It's just yeah, I, I'm. Uh, right, you know, the, the legislature won't give me what I want. And so in a tantrum, I'm going to sign an executive order that states that, that, uh, me not getting my political will is an emergency. And now I have the power to overturn you guys. Ha ha ha. It's good to be king. Which is why when you push this a little bit too far, you have armored protesters showing up in your capital because the people aren't going to take and, and it. And that's, that is the check and balance on this kind of, overbearing government as yeah. it should be and there were armed people that were peaceably protesting nobody got shot believe it or not even though they were armed and even though they were in detroit yeah which they said you know hey as long as you're carrying this where everybody can see and you have the right to you have a right to do so and the the, the law enforcement stood up for that and said hey I mean, that's we're not going to do anything i i i, I kind of want to be there i'm not worried about getting shot by the police or by the lefties, but rather just because it's Detroit, there might be stray bullets just lingering. <laughs> but I think where the insanity really hit people was when you took the stores like a Walmart or a Target that were allowed to be open because they have groceries, they have pharmacies, medication. So they're essential businesses that you could walk into 
and buy what you need. But they were then in Michigan and ammo. elsewhere. What? I need ammo. Well, they don't carry ammo, but we have uh, curbside. Here. Wait, wait. Walmart doesn't carry ammo where you are. They might. I haven't really what, looked. What? Yeah. What? What is Walmart even good for if you can't buy ammo there? If you can't buy maximum wads of nine millimeter ammo, I don't know. But our local uh, gun shop here will do curbside. So, I mean, <laughs> you've got that. You could just order your ammo drive up give them a call they'll come out and, and they'll they're doing that with weapons too so that is interesting as well you just you do the paperwork right from your car it's like drive-through service now if they could only do drive-through range time that would be great but not so much but these that, that would be nice these store yeah the, the beautiful thing about range time here is uh the uh, you know what i it, it's a longer rant city of seattle shut down all ranges in in their city limits and then uh king county's kind of continued that and tried to make it worse and so it's really hard to get range time in any kind of official range but the beautiful thing is that uh there's mountains not far from here and you go out somewhere where you're 10 miles from the nearest other human being and you shoot into a hill there's your freaking range time but anyway uh, our buddy jay finley uh says in in regards to my idea of drive through range time is that's just called a drive-by shooting. Well, yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and I, you, Chicago. Yeah, we we do that. We've been doing that for years. We have range time everywhere you want to go. D- drive-by shootings aren't feasible in Seattle because uh, you you run out of ammo before you get another block up with the traffic is the way it is. Yeah, well, not now because nobody's out on the streets. But in Michigan and elsewhere, with these WalMarts and these Targets. When you could walk in and buy groceries and then had to look at taped off areas of the stores, you're like, you know what? My kids need underwear or socks. No, those aren't essential. You want to buy seeds to plant? No, those aren't essential. You're, all, you're already in the store. The place that's packed is the people buying the food and hoarding the toilet paper. And you could be, you know, shoulder to shoulder trying to grab a you know, stick of butter, but you can't go to the other parts of the store and pick up some you know underwear or a t-shirt whatever you might need that's just a shoplifting section right (laughs) might be the sneak in get whatever you want still out of toilet paper where you are they are i'm that's part of the game still Uh, i know we we still have enough because we aren't the type of people that buy for like one week and then every week you have to buy more but no, uh, i mean with within two weeks my local safeway uh has their shelves stocked again they're coming back there's no doubt they're coming back and my wife just took the easy route because we've been doing the grocery shopping via online and we had another experience with that and of course they don't have it's almost as if a functioning economy is able to respond to a surge in demand by creating a surge in supply that's commensurate and and suddenly everything works again as long as you let people who are running their own businesses run their own business instead of trying to do some kind of centralized state planning that is incredibly inefficient and doesn't work and toilet paper sales are going to be slow for a long time because I think most people have like three years. So that's going to be the next problem for these toilet paper manufacturers. They've sold out and nobody's going to need it for a while. But my wife just ordered some on Walmart yesterday, just a normal, you know, 36 rolls, whatever it was, normal price. So they're getting back to to business. We ordered my parents some um, about a week or two ago from Quill.com, which is a local um, place like, you know, the office supply stores. So. You know, for people that had problems, you could get them if you really looked online or whatever. And I think that's coming back. But now the next problem is meat, 
which our freezer stock now for at least a good month or two, which is good because it seems that with all the meat packing plants, that is where the next problem is going to come in is meat is going to be in short supply, especially with these multiple plants shutting down. They're saying the first place you're going to see this is with the boneless chicken breast, stuff like that. But we got steaks from a local meat packing well, plant, which I talked that's because about. because boneless chickens don't survive very well out in the wild. So any kind of disruption and they all die off. Yeah. I mean, those. it's really hard to walk without bones. But we got some more steaks from Meyer, And, you know, so now we'll put those into bags, too, and freeze them and we'll be good. But there was still it was interesting how many things had to be uh, they had to substitute something else for what we had down on the grocery list. So it still tells me there are shortages with a lot of things, including the, you know, the frozen stuff like chicken strips, the stuff even like cheese that, oh, well, they don't have this, but, you know, they, they, we can substitute this brand. But there are some brands that are completely sold out. And it was probably about a third of the things on the list. Oh, they don't have this. Which is just weird when you think about that. Walking into a store three months ago, you never went into a store going, oh, they might not have what I'm looking for. It was always just there. And now that's not the case. And it's probably going to get worse with the meat packing plants closing down. So if you have the ability to do so, get your hands on some proteins and put them in a freezer just to make sure you have them. Because that's going to be the next thing. I mean, they're. They're trying to scare everybody with, well, this is going to cause a whole global um, problem with food, and it may, it may not. There's, as with any of this thing, with the speculation that is running absolutely so crazily with this, nobody really knows. But being prepared is not a bad thing to be. But, you know, with, like you said, the police are having their hands filled with really important things like in California now, closing the beaches and parks. In Wisconsin, I think it was that the police showed up because they some parents let their kids go to the neighbor's house to play. I mean, this is interesting yeah. times. Or, or, or these these parents in Kentucky who got a a uh, visit from the Department of Child Kidnapping. I, I mean, uh, CPS uh, because of Karen. This this story blew me away. Did you hear this one? Because of Karen. Yeah, you know what a Karen is, right? No, what's a Karen? Uh, a Karen is the bitchy middle-aged woman who goes into a store and demands to see the manager because somebody got a coupon off by five cents. <laughs> okay. You, you know this, you know, the type of person. Yes. Yes. Uh, Karen is the, uh, the, the person who is reporting your lawn flamingos in your, to your HOA or explains that your grass is 1.3 millimeters too long for the, the requirements from your housing association and therefore you need to be fine uh karen is the little ss agent that we all have met who believes that uh anything that is an affront to her personal sensibilities requires that she go get an authority figure and beat you over the head with it that's that's a karen it's uh and and I apologize for anybody whose name actually happens to be Karen and isn't like this because the, the meme is unfair. Memes are like that. Uh, but, but I refer, of course, to the abstract meme character who, regardless of what her name is or even if it's female at all, uh, is a total bitch. 
And in this case, uh, the story was um, a, a couple of parents and the, the parents weren't actually named because this was this was uh, it came from a suit where uh, some homeschool advocates were actually were suing the state of Kentucky over this. Um, but here's the story. Uh, these two people, uh, they had seven kids. Okay. First of all, that's where they fucked up. Jesus Christ, seven kids. Uh, n- nobody should ever. How do you even, but regardless, they have that and they have the right to do that as long as, you know, they can keep them all good. And they just moved to Kentucky and it turned out that they had, uh, they had, uh, they were trying to get, um, IDs and stuff, but one of them had a New York ID and one had a New Jersey ID because they'd moved from, you know, the, up in that area where everybody swaps back and forth. Escape New York. Yeah, that I mean, that's I. Can you blame them? No. But they needed to open a joint bank account, so they went in, and unfortunately, you know, with everything being closed, they couldn't find a daycare or anything. So they had all seven kids in the car. Well, the oldest two kids were waiting in the car, but the other five were too young to be left alone because they needed a joint bank account. Both of them needed to be at the teller desk. So they took two adults and five kids into this bank and the bank teller started freaking out saying, you know, you're not you're social distancing properly and you're not, uh, you know, you're the, and w- you know, would not approach them and would not, uh, you know, what didn't want them in there. I was like, you have to send your kids out to the car. And the, the wife is saying, no, we, they, they're too young. We can't just leave them out on the street. Just and, tie them up outside somewhere. Yeah. I, yeah. Maybe that's, but anyways, so first of all, if it was me, I would have fucking walked out of the bank, be like, okay, I obviously you don't want my business. Thank you. It's, it was nice talking to you fucking bitches, but, um, they get home after this ordeal and shortly after they get home, they get a visit from someone from CPS saying that they received an anonymous tip. Uh, the anonymous tip also happened to say all of the right things to get a CPS agent to come and steal your kids from you. Like, uh, they noticed bruising on the arm and suspicious persons and an unrelated male was traveling with them. Because the ID was from a different state. So, oh, unrelated. <laughs> well, the CPS person showed up. And uh, first of all, you know, after it was a cold day. So, after rolling up the kid's sleeves, confirmed there were no bruising. By the way, how can this tipster see any bruising on arms that are covered with sleeves? Don't know. X-ray um, vision? Yeah. Con- confirmed that, no, this, this guy was actually the kid's dad. They had the same last name and everything on their id but do they do a um, dna test i can't I, I it didn't say so in the article <laughs> but either way uh the it says that the investigator was convinced that the tip was faulty that that what was phoned in with the tip was wrong and that that this was the parents of the kids and so uh what does the investigator do after determining that this was a big nothing burger they just well, left and didn't do anything <laughs> no this is the government <laughs> the investigator then after realizing the tip was fake went in and uh questioned the kids searched the cabinet searched the fridge looking for any other evidence that they needed to kidnap your kids from you i mean some parents would like that service I, some parents yeah well i i am i am convinced that abortion should be allowed all the way up to the 75th trimester which is 18 years i mean have you, have you ever heard the term uh, i brought you into this world i can take you out of it 
Yeah, Bill Cosby used to say that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we want to listen to Bill Cosby I, anymore. I, 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 I'm, I, I don't. So uh, that, yeah, I, that might not actually be what I believe, but it entertains me to say it. Uh, but anyways, yeah, uh, because this is the government, because this is the department of kidnapping your kids from you, um, as soon as the investigator discovered that the tip was fake, they then went in and illegally, I might add, Fourth Amendment is a thing, not that anybody from the government ever reads the Constitution, but it does exist, and illegally searched the house and questioned the kids just to see if they could find any other evidence that they need, you know, because this is the department of kidnapping kids which means that like like i said any any department that exists for a purpose they they are incentivized their job is to find that purpose so if they can't find a way a reason to steal your kids from you then they're not doing their job right sounds so, like the fbi and general flynn yeah and same thing uh yeah it, the the article that i had got this from and and dug up one one two of the other things that it pointed out is is legislation that needs to it does not exist in kentucky but uh one of them is called off-ramp legislation which is specifically directed at cps and says when they determine that a tip is false they have to leave which i call common sense but uh, i admittedly when a politician uses the word common sense you know what's about to come after that is utter bullshit so i i get that you need some other name for it but but this is there there are states that actually have legislation that says uh when child protective services determines that your tip is false then they just need to leave it's called taking the off ramp uh the other bit of legislation that uh they called out that that would make sense and Kentucky doesn't have this is uh uh Utah has has something called a free range parenting bill and this one fascinated me so I read up on it a bit but uh the details aren't this the details are pretty simple, but have you heard of this one? I have not. Okay. A free range parenting bill. It, it, it used a lot of text, but effectively what the text meant is taking your eyes off of your kid for a few minutes is not neglect. That seems reasonable. Of course, which is why you need to put it in law if you want go- government agencies like CPS to follow it. Anyway, yeah, this I I don't have kids, but the very idea, even not having kids, the very idea that some government busybody fuckhead could come in and steal them after illegally searching my place and checking and noting in the fridge is like, oh, this baloney is two days past expiration. You're neglecting your kids. It, well, all because you pissed somebody off out on a yeah, bank run. <laughs> all because you pissed off some authoritarian Nazi Karen at the bank. I tell you what, if if they did open an account, the first fucking thing these two people need to do is call up somebody at the bank and explain why they're canceling their account. Well, yeah. And maybe those people want to learn that you can sign up for a checking account online. And maybe yeah. if you have seven kids <laughs> and, and also and also uh, don't go to a bank, go to a credit union. Banks are awful. And there is a Karen that I like. And I'm sure you do as well. Uh, Sir NetNed who is in the troll room over at noagendastream.com, where we do these shows live at 11 a.m. Friday mornings, 11 a.m. Central, sent me an article that you remember the Michigan State Representative, Karen Whitsett, the one that had the corona, was given the hydrochloroquine or chloroquine, whichever it was, got better, and then praised Donald Trump. We remember that because it was an interesting story because... Yeah, it, it was crazy that anybody with a D next to their name would praise Donald Trump, but it, apparently yes. somebody... F- 
somebody accidentally forgot to play politics for a moment and i'm sure she's being slapped down for that now yes well especially one woman black so i mean everything that should have made her hate donald trump she praised donald trump but is now claiming that her own party and governor whitmer are trying to censure her over the fact that she praised donald trump this was a story over at the washingtontimes.com and she's saying she's not going to be intimidated by the governor or anybody else but this is how far the politics go that yeah, politicians eat their own these days they do if if you're not with us you're against us how well, dare you say anything that isn't horrible and that's it and there was a on uh, bill o'reilly's program last night he had sean spicer on and spicer is doing work now for one of these other news outlets i mean they're all can his spicer definitely on the conservative side o'reilly's on the conservative side but he has been uh you know quite vocal when he thinks trump's doing stuff wrong so i mean i know everybody has the the mindset on o'reilly if you haven't ever watched a show that he is as far left as the hannity's and the limbaugh's and he may be philosophically but he is an old school guy that actually wants to bring the facts of the news out and i can appreciate I, that i i have to admit that i you you've talked up bill o'reilly a lot lately which has made me interested in at least checking it out but i have to admit uh all of my opinions about him were set 15 years ago when my ultra conservative father <laughs> who would fall asleep in front of the tv blaring fox news at high volume and i i have to admit that i back then i developed the habit of never even considering bill o'reilly as a source for anything and i from everything you've said he's become a whole lot more worth listening to after leaving fox news i believe so and i don't know i don't know if that's just because he's now on his own and able to do whatever he wants or because he's gone through the stuff by getting fired because again this he was a guy that was in the me too movement that was you know people claimed he said stuff that he's saying he really didn't but he he was a guy that was around when what millionaires did at that point when somebody said oh you called me you know brown sugar or something was one of the women and he paid out on the lawsuit because that's what everybody did if he had the money you went like tell you what if i give you like 20 grand will you go away that's what the lawyers did and that's what kind of tanked his career but he's been saying things that i've been hearing on the no agenda show he's very much along the lines of talking about the most dangerous thing in america right now is the corrupt press so it's an interesting uh, take on it and i appreciate yeah. what Co he's bringing to the press, game corrupt politician corrupt ceos it's almost like corruption is a problem yes corruption is everywhere uh, but sean spicer who worked in trump's white house is now i think it's newsmax that he's doing stuff for which again i understand newsmax very conservative um but o'reilly asked him the question like out of any of these stories that has come across your desk over the past you know year or two has any one of them been positive about trump and he's like no <laughs> it's like how can that be i mean even the biggest evil asshole every once in a while is going to have to be right or do something that can't be considered as wrong or whatever it's the, the the law of averages says you know even the losers get lucky sometimes right tom petty said that but the news media will never cover anything from trump to show it in a positive light so that's why this hydrochloroquine is a very interesting thing to watch because the news media wants this not to be helpful there have been multiple stories that have shown 
at least a light at the end of the tunnel that this might be helpful in dealing with corona patients. But one story comes out out of, you know, a hundred that say, oh, it seems like it is successful at doing this. One story comes out and says no. And of course, that's all the news covers. They don't cover the hundred stories that say this may work and the latest one is the association of american i'm sorry cherry picking bias are you yeah are you accusing our media of cherry picking or of having bias that and then some okay but the association of american physicians says the trump touted drug has a 90 percent chance of helping covid19 patients that seems like a pretty high percentage to me i mean i know i'm not the math Uh, major you were but 90 percent that's high right I, I got to admit that if if those odds were in Vegas, I'd probably roll the dice. Yeah, <laughs> in Vegas. Oh my God, the Venetian I, and Palazzo. Uh, now this, I, I, I have I have spent most of my life with a policy of trying to forget that Vegas exists and it's working for me. Well, it's, it's yeah. it doesn't exist right now, which is the most intriguing thing about the capitalistic society that we've got going is Vegas completely shut down. And that should tell anybody that doesn't want to believe at least that this virus is serious that, you know, one, it is, but we're, we need more data, which is what we always need. Uh, and at some point, though, you have to admit you can go back to trying to get back to some kind of normalcy and see what happens. I've always assumed that that the 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 hostile policies that the Nevada government has toward most of what goes on in Vegas is the direct result that Carson city is a long drive from there and they're not able to go and enjoy the casinos on the weekend. Maybe they want to go have fun, just but they can fly on here. As I told you before the show started, the most interesting thing about the story about the Venetian and Palazzo, two of the big casinos in Vegas, their plans for reopening with new protocols. And for anybody that hasn't seen this story, they have a multi-step plan and as i asked you before the show you know how many steps And you're like well it should only be one which is open the doors the yeah the, the yeah. actual plan I mean, I mean there might be there might be a couple others like unlock the doors first or you know uh, if somebody actually remembered the way as soon as them. you open it dive out of the way of the thronging mass of of zombies out there who whose fear of of some phantom virus that that is no worse than the flu is outstripped by their desire to hit the gambling tables well it shows you that if you're willing to risk your health to do that the plan that they have and i'm just guessing the people that were in charge of this reopening thing were like everybody else in the company is being furloughed we need to keep our jobs so we really need to come up with a plan it can't just be open the doors and put hand sanitizer stations around got to be a little bit more complex than that they went the full monty and came up with a safety protocol that includes 800 steps to keep guests and staff safe when vegas is allowed to reopen 800 i just just typing up a list of 800 steps is is two days worth of working from home somebody was taking this work from home thing seriously I'm trying to figure this out. If I said to you right now, come up with 800 steps that a casino in Vegas could do to make things safer. How many do you really think you can come up with? I mean, maybe 20, 30, 50. I, I, I think. Listen, I do most things by the seat of my pants. I think the only way that I could. I, the only way I could come up with 800 steps is by walking a half mile. 
<laughs> well, it's easier to drive. Although with you, we've heard the stories from Bemlet that uh, driving might be dangerous. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, I dry, driving. I, I'm one of the safest people on the road in the greater Puget Sound area. That's scary. That's a pretty low bar, isn't it? Yeah. The article on vegas.eater.com i mean the where where we'll go to get our news for you folks is just amazing it says precautions range from a battalion of 25 emts on site 24 hours a day thermal cameras at entrances to scan for fever to having face masks and sanitation devices in every hotel room restaurant seating spread out to encourage social distancing and on and on and on i've already seen some of these things i thought it was in macau somebody said where when you're playing blackjack they're having the plexiglass in front of you and on the sides of you so everybody's kind of separated uh, there what what are the local casinos here at, in in preparation for uh, well they, they they were under the illusion that jay Inslee was going to let us out anytime ever but uh they went ahead and removed every other slot machine just just to enforce distancing well they could have just put up one of these uh little plexiglass things in between the interesting thing does sound like yeah was that sound like a better idea yeah that seems a little bit easier and so there was one of the, a video i saw somewhere that somebody actually came up with a device that looked like it was kind of just a squeegee thing built into the dividers that self-cleaned like every like hour or so would just go up and down and sanitize and wipe the thing too which is genius i guess because you're yeah. gonna have to we we've had sprinklers on timers for years yeah but it's like okay so it's not just they went that one step further rather than just you know we need to put plexiglass between everybody then somebody probably went you know how much cleaning that's gonna take for somebody to walk around and uh somebody went no just automate it we love automation um well, sure as long as I mean, as long as it doesn't cost more to install this thing than just to pay some minimum wage dude with a squeegee. To, but yeah. Yeah. Harry Hamster making a really good point, too, that in Vegas, when it's, you know, 105 degrees outside, when you're doing these temperature checks, when you walk in the door. Oh, yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's almost summer in Vegas. Yeah. So, temperature checks when they walk in the door are not going to work. <laughs> everybody. Oh, my God. Everybody's got a fever. Oh, wait. It's 106 out. Oh. Or, or what they do is they they force you to wait in the lobby for twenty minutes and call cool down before <laughs> they, walking. I, they they basically put you into a freezer for sixty seconds and then yeah. take you out and then it seems like it's going to be a very convoluted <laughs> treatment. Start start treating tourists like TV dinners. <laughs> hot to cold, hot. Oh, you're too hot over here. Oh, you're too cold. Put them back in. Oh, I don't know. It's uh. It's interesting. I mean, they're talking about like disinfecting the chips like every hour or two. It's like, is that really enough? I mean, how many people handle chips in an hour? Um, I, well, I mean, over the course of a day, a lot of people touch them. Yeah. It seems like, though, you're like, the, I, I'm not certain what the life cycle of a chip is, but it, it seems like it goes cashier to a single person to uh, a machine or dealer. And every time that it hits the machine or dealer, you could just, you know, soapy water that shit and then take it back to the cashier. So, yeah, I guess once it goes back, because it's mainly for things like, uh, you know, dice games and blackjack, poker, that kind of stuff. Everybody's just going to go to a machine. Of course, the machines, everybody's touching. So there's that. 
Oh, yeah. Um, which if I did the update finally and this, I was again proven right. So I took the victory lap on random thoughts, random thoughts dot com, R-E-N-D-U-M-B, that the woman that the story that all the press picked up on that said she only got groceries to, to deliver it. And that's she thinks that's where she got Corona. And I'm like, well, no, it said she went to a pharmacy five days ago. She got it there. Guess what? She got it at the pharmacy at the touch. You pad. Don't say no. Yeah. But do you think uh, I, I won't say none? But I think there were like three or four sources that updated the story or wrote a new story, you know, updating with the more information. A vast majority of the people that ran this story did not touch it, did not update well, it, did not the, say the it was explanation bullshit. for that is is pretty simple. And that is she was already out of the news cycle by the time the update the by the time actual information comes out, the five minute news cycle is already over and people's attention spans have gone somewhere else usually back to trump and russian hacking or whatever the hell the it, it, it it's propaganda so the the initial story was clearly being pushed with an agenda and it you, you've heard the phrase uh you know bad news travels fast and the truth takes a while to catch up see uh, I, that is is one of the things that causes news story the the fast news cycle to be so nefarious because by the time the truth has caught up to any given story it's not an it's not news anymore well it's because there's no journalism people are just taking something they read repeating it and not going to verify and 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 in terms of incentives that makes sense because the bloggers that call themselves journalists uh they they're not incentivized for getting truth, getting it right. They're incentivized for getting the story before any other outlet. Well, that's exactly it. It's just a race and there's no news. Me- Everybody has turned into paparazzi is what the media has tuned, uh, turned into. It has nothing to do with journalism. It's about scooping out something, whether it's true or not, and repeating it. And that's why you can't believe nearly anything online. Or in the so, papers, or on television news, or anywhere, really. I have an update from ICANN from two weeks ago when I warned breath- breathlessly that the .org domain was going to be sold to a for-profit company. Yes. What happened? The, the ICANN board shut that shit down. Nice. Uh, they, they rejected. Why did they let the, it go to this point in the first place? Any idea? I, I'm really not sure. I think it has to do with, uh, you know, each shell company having its own, uh, its own board of directors and, you know, different people like there. I, I can itself is, is the ones who were pushing for this to be shut down, but, uh, it was, uh, a subgroup called PIR, the public interest registry that was, actually in charge of .org and they were the ones trying to sell themselves to ethos capital um and i'm not really sure the you know 2 weeks ago this i brought this up because the uh california attorney general sent an angry letter to the board of ICANN saying you know this is not in the public interest uh the board of ICANN kind of agreed with that and and at the time you know, I thought, oh, it's going to go through anyway, because the only thing that they said in response to the letter was, we're going to push off the d- the decision for two weeks. Well, the decision's been pushed off. Um, reasons cited, uh, a change from the fundamental public interest nature of PIR to an entity that's bound to serve the interest of corporate stakeholders and which has no meaningful plan to protect or serve the .org community. 
Uh, well, I guess the one uh, thing I still don't get there is that if .org is no longer limited to nonprofit organization, who the hell cares? I, I mean, obviously, the California Attorney General, um, a number of the people doing it. Y- you got to admit, if if it's if it's not limited, then anybody you know anyone can set up a .org, and therefore you you maybe maybe people don't care, but people still associate .org with organizations, and a lot of you know. Anybody who has a 501c3 nonprofit is automatically considered good because they're supposed to be a charity. Isn't that how it works? Something like that. They're they're not. Uh, not always. A lot of them are very self-serving. But hey, well, which is why uh, you have to I be can't... careful, especially during these troubling times, on who you are donating to, because a lot of times, you know, things people don't understand. You know, goodwill stores. There's a lot of things like that where you look at where the money actually goes. Always do your homework. There's that's what the internet can help you with. Always do your homework on what you know. Look at things like what CEOs are making at places like Goodwill. Look at how much of your donation is actually getting to the final destination, and try to cut out the middleman wherever you can. And I can also uh, the the, one of the other reasons they said uh, there are additional uncertainties such as untested stewardship stewardship council that might not be properly independent. Uh, which I, I don't remember if you if you recall much about the conversation about the stewardship council two weeks ago. It, it was the one where the council was was seven members and five of them were going to be chosen by this capital group outright, and the other two were going to be chosen by the stewardship council. That seems completely independent. And, and ICANN was concerned that it might not be properly independent. <laughs> Rightfully so, it seems. <laughs> um and. The uh, let's see. They also noted that uh, enforcement of disputes was between the org community and registry operator was untested and not clear. Um, the uh, the debt structure raised further questions about uh, you know mo- changing. Apparently, I'm not I'm not really sure. It says 360 million debt instrument. I'm not sure what that means, but apparently there's a lot of debt associated with this that uh was going to be passed on to dot org registrants which is a uh, financial speak for we're going to crack up the prices which we already knew that was would have happened anyways I, I i don't have a hell of a lot on this story other than um i i guess my my doom predictions of this was going to go through uh didn't go through so you were incorrect no no i um I, I once thought I was wrong, but I was mistaken. So let me ask you this, because I've been thinking about with places starting to open up again, what a post lockdown world is going to look like. And I understand generalizations because there are areas of the country that aren't really dealing with this as much as Chicago, New York, Seattle, places like this where it's a little bit harder hit. But you think about the places where a lot of people gather, including movie theaters, who I think movie theaters are probably going to go the way of the dinosaur because people are way too used to watching things now, you know, on their phone, which is, it's kind of crazy to me how much time people consume the, the content like that on a small screen. I'm still, I like the big screen stuff and not necessarily movie theater, but you know, I'm going to watch it at home. I'll watch it on the television set, not on the five inch phone, but 
with movie theaters now it's like who's really willing to if you're believing in this that you could get sick going into a movie theater or how are you going to distance those seats you're going to take out like every third row you know every other row every third seat so if you're going well, to the movies with somebody it's if you're going on a date you I mean you may not even see the person you're with i don't think it's financially viable for them to take seats out right these these companies are uh, on on the brink of bankruptcy charging $50 for a night out already i i don't know I, if movie theaters go away then um good riddance it's a it's a legacy business model that is not terribly compatible with the world of everybody has a home theater uh, right if you don't have a home theater then i'm sorry but uh get you, one. you need to find some friends who do yes get one they're <laughs> not they're really um, the price but- I'm, yeah, I mean, the price on putting something like that together now, I mean, 20 years ago, it was like, oh, if you have a home theater, you probably spent 20, 30,000 yeah, bucks. Uh, yeah. 20 years ago. Yes. If you had a home theater, like, oh, you know, first of all, oh my God, you have a whole room dedicated. Yeah. 30, uh-huh. 30K easy was, yeah. Now you can get but like 60 inch televisions uh, for, you know, hundreds, not thousands. Yeah. Now, now it's the, yeah, you can get yourself a 50, 60 inch TV for 400 bucks. And, you know some surround speakers and i mean yeah it's pretty easy to set up the i the only people who don't have that set up at this point are also not wealthy enough to be able to go out to the theater uh the the entire theater experience is geared to be insanely expensive it is uh, it's not a great experience at least for me i've always preferred staying at home but then i'm an introvert I'm with you. It's it, it is it's nice to go out. Dinner and a movie is still considered a pretty romantic thing. Uh but my wife and I still do it here. Just, <laughs> even 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 though it's romantic. It's even dope. though it's romantic, we still do it. I don't know what that says about your relationship, but okay. I don't know. I I I I kind of gave up on the movie theater experience years and years ago as uh it's an anachronism. It is it, it, when movie theaters were originally created, they were the gatekeepers. If you wanted to see a movie, that was the way to do it. That was the only way to do it. And there are so many other methods of getting a movie into your house these days. And you can watch it on whatever screens, whatever device you have. If the only device you have is a phone, then you, first of all, uninstall all those apps. What the fuck? Why? Why? And then go go buy yourself a 22 inch monitor connected to a cheap netbook when you're seeing that now you're seeing with movies that are being released directly to streaming because of the fact that the movie theaters are closed so this is giving them a really good petri dish to be like well let's see what we can do the one thing i will say is the days of the multi-million dollar blockbuster movie that is probably going to be done oh god i hope so i know (laughs) i mean uh, really, I stopped going to the movies years ago, and the I mean, last straw basically came along when smartphones did, because I was just tired of every time you'd go to a movie, you'd have like 10 assholes opening up, the screens lighting up, whether it's a text or whatever, and it's like, it's just too annoying. I'd rather sit home and watch it on my own TV. You know why I stopped going to the theater? I think probably the thing that that killed it was when I realized that if it says that the showtime is say seven fifteen, it was seven forty five. I realized that I could walk in at seven thirty five, and maybe I'd catch the opening credits, and maybe I'd have to wait ten more minutes. 
was the original annoyance of something you paid for having ads attached to it. Yeah. And I, I was kind of okay with it. You know, back in the nineties, I was okay with when the ads that it showed were trailers for other movies because those were actually pretty good. And, and it was also the only way that you saw movie trailers. And then I kind of liked movie trailers back then. I don't anymore, but that's a different story. Once you realize but, 95% of the trailers were better than the actual movie. Well, it, yeah, it was about the time that I, yeah, what was, there was one movie in particular that I was really excited to see because I watched the trailer. It was uh Beavis and Butthead do America. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was a frat guy back then. That was, that was my kind of humor. Yeah, but yeah. we saw, we saw the trailer for that before watching the matrix when it first came out and I would, this was, I guess, 98. And I looked at this and went, Oh my God, that day, every scene in that trailer was amazing and funny. And it was hilarious and great. And we went and saw the movie when it came out and realized that every scene that was hilarious or good <laughs> about the movie was in the trailer. Yeah. Advertising, my friend. That, that's yeah. where your hatred of marketing comes from. That's one of many sources. Beavis and screwed then, you. Somewhere along the line, they finally gave up on on showing trailers, which are just ads for movies, and started putting straight up ads. It, it, like 15 minutes of just straight up fucking advertisement. I'm like, why am I sitting in this chair paying you know $20 for my ticket plus if I'm stupid enough to buy junk food for eating in the theater, you know, another 40 or $50 worth of cheap ass candy and popcorn that has some salty butter alternative on it. Yeah. And, you can't have real butter. And then you sit there and you watch ads. <laughs> right. By the time the movie comes on, your half a gallon of soda is gone. Yeah. You have to pee after the opening <laughs> credits because if they would just put just, a hose in the floor, I mean, yeah. Well, <laughs> some of the places they needed it, you know, when, and yeah, when you're, when you're walking down the aisle to try to get to, you know, this is the center seats were always good. You never sit on the edge. Why, why would anyone do that? So you're walking down between the seats, trying to get to the middle and it's difficult. And the reason it's difficult is because you have to sit there with a spatula and pry your fucking foot up off the floor every step because <laughs> the floors are so sticky and You'd like to imagine that the reason the floors are sticky has to be spilled sugary drinks, right? right? Please tell me that's Pepsi. (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) Depends if you're in the adult theater or not. (laughs) I don't know. Um, What about concerts? I mean, that's another similar thing. And I was intrigued when I saw when the whole initial stock market crash happened with this Corona thing. I saw that Live Nation, which is the biggest company that puts on events was their stock totally tanked and i was like well it was an interesting play i didn't put any money into it but i'm thinking you know this is going to come back i think although you can't guarantee that live nation is going to be the one to do it but uh some saudi arabian company put 500 million into live nation so they obviously are betting that concerts are going to come back but I'm not sure how soon, because during the rock and roll pre-show before No Agenda yesterday, one of the songs, uh, Fletcher had a request, and he sent me a YouTube link, and it was a live thing, because that's what we do, the live music, and you see you know, the mosh pit, and you see all the people crammed up against the stage, and I'm going, when is this going to happen again in the United States? And I think it's going to be a while before... 
not necessarily before the kids, because I don't think the kids are really worried about it. We saw what happened during spring break. We see what's happening in California, which is why they had to close all the beaches. So I don't think necessarily that the, you know, the youngsters is where the you know, old guys now going to these concerts are going to be afraid to press up against each other and mosh. But the laws allowing them to do so are a different story. I think you're talking to the wrong person here. The, the last, the only two concerts I've been to in the last five years were uh, Jeff Rosenstock and Mighty Mighty Bostones, and both of them were in clubs. No mosh pit. Not, uh, well, there there was, but there there was no stadium seating. There was no seating of any kind. It was everybody standing shoulder to shoulder. It was an amazing experience where they just took a very small room and completely filled uh, the venue. Uh, the Boston's was in a pretty big club. It was a big room because they're a bigger band. But Rosenstock was, uh, it, it was down in Seattle. There was just a, you know, a room that was maybe forty by sixty, full of people, standing room only, and they had the big stacks of speakers making everyone deaf. That's the kind of concert experience I like. I don't like going to big open stadiums anymore. You know, the ones where. Where if you're watching the screen, first of all, you need binoculars to do it because it's so far away. But then, you know, you see the the guitarist jump up and down and gesticulate and hammer the strings wildly. And then you're like 1001, 1002, right. 1003. <laughs> and then you hear it. <laughs> That's how you know you're in a really big venue. That was uh, I think the last time I was in one of those, it was it was in the Gorge Amphitheater. I don't you're probably not familiar with this one. It is an open air amphitheater that is a little over a quarter mile in diameter, uh, a natural amphitheater on the side of the Columbia River in eastern Washington. Um, we saw Red Hot Chili Peppers there, and I shit you not, they hotboxed the venue. Nice. That's a lot of people smoking weed, man. It is, and it was. <laughs> uh, Harry Hamster suggesting maybe individual plexiglass cubes that people could sit in now at the venues. Well, that can, no, because plexiglass cubes don't move around. Just go all the way. We got to all have personal bubbles that yeah. plastic bubbles to walk around in. That'd be awesome. I mean, you'd only be able to fit like three people on the floor, but, uh, you know, tickets will go up. That's all. Less people I, will be going. Yeah. yeah. Decreased supply. Demand stays the same. Price goes up. Simple economics. Right up until, you know, some government biddy decides that uh, concert costs are too high and therefore they need to. In implement rent controls or something that would be socialist yeah sports the same way when are we going to get back to where people can go and sit directly next to each other because there's no sporting venue out there where you're not sitting you know you better be you better get to know the person sitting next to you because you're going to be having some physicality going on between the two of you with the way these seats are and i don't know how you're going to do this stuff i don't know how long it's going to be i mean there's a certain amount of us i well, think that. In every case, the answer is you fucking get over these ridiculous propaganda fueled phobias right. and accept that we're we're all humans and we're going to do human things again. Yeah. And it might be dangerous and you might die. And it's all about looking at the stats, which nobody on the left wants okay, anybody what, to look at stats. Spoiler alert. You're going to die. Yeah, it will happen. Just accept that. It's the last thing I plan on doing. Oh, uh, there's that. Yeah. But. All of these things, I mean, more closer to home than just having the big crowds with movie theaters, concerts, sports. We talked a little bit about restaurants already, but what about the gym? Because that's something that the gyms, at least around here, had been doing really good business. I'm, I'm not familiar with gym. Who is this? 
<laughs> the place you go to exercise. I, I'm sure you're not familiar I, with that either. Go to, go to what? Right. Go to some place to do what now? Uh, to, I, I'm sorry. I'm confused. To get healthy, to use the machine. I mean, that's really the... I don't know how if I don't know if you could rub the machine down enough with enough isopropyl alcohol after each person uses it. Oh, whoa. Now you're making it sexual. <laughs> you got to rub it down really good. Make sure to kill all those germs. Well, that's something that they're already suggesting with things like the Airbnb, which is, well, you need at least 24 hours between tenants of like, well, 24 hours ain't enough to to kill the virus on most surfaces if you're going to well, go and, that and 24 route 24 hours is way too long if your entire reason for having it is to make money right but if you really want to go well okay what's safe on uh, metal surfaces from, from what we've still been told the data that we have is about three days that the virus can live on so either you're reliant upon really good cleaners who and i don't know if anybody is uh it's again you're, it's going to take a while before people come down off this high and come down off the fear and try to get back to some sense of normalcy. But these are the kind of laws where it's like, well, yeah, if you have an Airbnb, you have to have 24 hours in between each booking. Well, that's going to cost people a lot of money. The gyms, I can only imagine what they're going to have to do to keep these things safe where people touch them, because that is one place the virus is transferring, whether it's as uh, you know bad and as um that your percentage of getting it is as high as people are saying i don't know but i think we need to separate our thinking here into what there's there's general precautions that should be taken against any form of microbe or bacteria or virus and a lot of this is really just good advice especially during a flu season like uh when you go to the gym and you pick up the barbell wipe off the bar Uh, that's pretty good idea whether there's uh an overblown pandemic with fantastic marketing or if it's just the flu season right uh but anybody who is wants to take extraordinary measures because of this one virus i feel like that's probably pretty overblown and one of the main reasons i say that is that uh, assuming that we ever get released from this communist prison we've been put in and get back to some semblance of normal lives we're not eradicating the virus it's gonna be out there it's probably gonna spread slowly and over the next three to five years you'll probably get it and for 95 percent of us you might feel kind of shitty for a day and you might not notice any symptoms at all and then you've got it and then you've got your antibodies and you know all, of all of the things that the the you know, wipe things down and disinfect everything and make sure that we grow that bacteria big and huge and and <laughs> b- virus and antibacterial resistant because we're disinfecting everything whether we not need to or not all of these things are frankly significantly inferior to the effectiveness of a normal healthy human beings immune system which is a pretty fantastic means of dealing with viruses and all you have to do is have a a little bit of a cough for a day or two and and this assumes you're not immunocompromised and there's a lot of people out there who would be really fucked and there's a reason why it it would be nice you know it we have flattened the curve The, the curve is fucking flat let us get back out because this shit is out in the wild. It's not going to be eradicated. It's impossible to eradicate. You know, the The only method to actually make the virus go away is to kill everyone. It would work. 
Very <laughs> effective technique. Has some side effects, like we'd all be dead. I'm not sure I'm willing to live with that. In fact, I don't think I could. Well, but, as you saw, the two doctors in California who were going along the same lines of what you're saying is you're hurting your immune system by hiding inside for a month. You need to get back to life. And of course, YouTube took their video down because it did not comply with the WHO. Uh, I, I actually I hadn't seen that video by the time YouTube took it down, but I did find a an alternate link at a YouTube competitor. I can throw that in the show notes if there's anybody else. Yeah, Bitchute has it. Uh library.us. Um there there I, I found alternates. I don't know if that's something they, I might be the last person in the world to search for this, and everybody else listening to the sound of my voice probably already knows about 12 different YouTube competitors, each of which is more reliable and a whole lot more trustworthy than YouTube is. Well, and this but YouTube has all the videos. Yeah. And this stuff should worry people more than the virus itself. I understand it why they don't what want. I've been talking about the last eight weeks. I know. It does. You know, it's like this is, you know, there's one thing when there's an idiot podcaster, you know, that goes on and starts spewing stuff that he doesn't know what he's talking about. But when you have two medical professionals licensed on the front lines, performing between the two of them, I think it was hundreds or maybe even over a thousand Corona tests talking about their experience, shutting that down, no matter what the content was, should scare the hell out of people. It really should. Well, that's that's because this was what's her name? Wojcicki? Susan Wojcicki? Is that? Oh, the, yeah. The, the one head that's of YouTube? Running YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she obviously knows more than any doctor and it's because her ideology informs her it's like it's like religious zealots it, it is she believes so hard that nobody else could possibly be right whether they have facts or not actually to be honest i think most of the youtube censorship can probably be explained because she is super bitter that nobody knows how to pronounce wajiki or <laughs> wajiki or whatever the fuck her name is that may be it but it's like can you imagine any platform if they went, well, the only content that's going to be allowed on this virus was the stuff that coincided and agreed 100% with Donald Trump's viewpoint on it. People would be going nuts, but you say the WHO, and they're like, oh, well, yeah, the WHO is great. Let's forget yeah, that we no, have evidence that the, they've the already WHO lied. The WHO is an arm of the UN, which is the most globalist entity Corrupt. out there. It. it if if you want one world government, and a lot of people do, they all point to the UN as the people to do it, but it doesn't take more than, say, one Google search to find lots and lots of evidence that the UN is inherently corrupt inside and out, and the WHO is part of that. Don't get me wrong. There are people, even at the WHO, who want to honestly do good, who are trying to help, but the people who run these organizations are corrupt. They are all for you know, one world government. They do not care about you. They care about their personal power and building their empires. That is how large scale governmental organizations work. Because remember when I said earlier that everybody who is, uh, you know, only some humans are out to fuck you over. Well, scum rises to the top and those humans gravitate toward any position of political power especially if the position of political power involves screwing with other people. Most people are normal. They just want to live their lives. They don't want to screw with other people, but the kind of that want to the Karens who want to fuck up your life are drawn to positions 
where they're in the power to do that. So yeah, the bigger the organization, the more corrupt it is at the top, guaranteed. And we live in a country that was once the shining beacon on the hill on how to have a free society. And that is collapsing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Well, this is some some would some would argue that it collapsed back in the eighteen sixties. It may be getting progressively worse. But but it is getting worse, yes. The I mean, just again, the news coverage on this stuff is absolutely just disgusting when you see how it's being covered. You see the speculation when it comes to talking about a vaccine for this. We have your, your our, uh, well, he, I don't know if we say R, but we have Dr. Fauci, the guy that's out there with Dr. Burks. He, he's not mine. I'm not taking credit for him. Yeah. Saying possibly soon on a vaccine. And the Daily Mail in the UK, who was one of those uh, places that covered the woman grocery, got virus, and then never updated the with the actual truth. But the Daily Mail is now saying experts. I love when they quote experts. Can you give me a name? I mean, give me is, somebody. Is that like sources? Yes. Experts say. Um, so Fauci says maybe soon. We hear that there is uh, one in Oxford over in the UK and Pfizer. Did, did you know that there's no certification process for expert? I know you don't have to get a license or anything like podcaster. You, you just have to claim to be an expert. Yeah. Like podcaster. Bam, done. Yeah. Same yeah. thing. I, in fact, I'm claiming it right here, right now on this podcast, I am claiming Sir Bemrose is an expert. So now everything that I say, if you, you can quote me and be like experts say, <laughs> do you have a part screwing up your bank? Oh, what do you have a particular, uh, a category that you're an expert in or just everything? And I'm an expert. Okay. You're an expert. Why do I need, why do I need to limit myself? <laughs> various reasons but there are over a thousand organizations that are working on a vaccine now from what i've read vaccines the interesting thing with even just normal when they're trying to come up with vaccines for things they have about a six percent success rate which should really temper any of the the talk of a vaccine being quick although i think they had a head start with this because i believe there are things existing that were similar enough to this that they they did have a head start the one in oxford i believe it was they're already in human trials and they have a drug company in india of course because all these drugs are coming out of india and china which is a big problem as well if you want to get out of this one world concept because you know if there is a deadly plague and only your enemies have the the, the cure you got a little bit of a problem but the Drug company in India already making a million doses of this even before it's proven. So obviously the folks over in the UK at Oxford think they've hit on this or they're really uh, just yeah, gambling. Hype is a hell of a drug. Yeah, it is. And would you take one of these uh, vaccines when they come out? Fuck no. <laughs> See, I would. I'd be like, give me the vaccine, man. I uh, Okay, well, let, let's go back to even a year ago or, or any time in the past when we've talked about it. It wasn't. It wasn't the the deadly plague virus that has everybody's overblowing. It was just the flu, but uh, which was once you, that deadly you, virus everybody was overblown about. Well, uh, <laughs> you've asked me in the past, right? Uh, w- would you know? Would you get a flu shot? And it, it turns out that because I am a healthy human being with a functioning immune system, that I uh, I don't normally get the flu shot. I normally just get the flu if it happens and i if a vaccine comes out um you know would i get it 
Would I get it eventually? Maybe after it has been proven in a couple years of clinical trials, which, you know, given the direction that this one is going, uh, a couple years of clinical trials will really be, we have no idea what this does. So let's inject it into the general population, see how many of them die. <laughs> and if that percentage is low enough, then yeah, maybe I'll go get injected. I'm not going to be your fucking guinea pig, though. Come on, be a guinea pig. It'll be cool. I, I, you know what? Any guinea, any experimentation on me i'm gonna be the scientist okay i don't know if that's uh it's kind of like having yourself for a lawyer is a really bad idea i think you uh being your own guinea pig for scientific experiments i could do a great mad scientist come on that i believe that i do believe so it's going to be interesting with all this health stuff again i keep putting numbers out there and people keep wanting to argue the the highest percentage i've seen on any of these tests that do a you know small group of people that are interconnected somehow and i don't know if i believe these because they're brand new and this whole meat packing thing is becoming a very intriguing story about all these places that are shutting down where one of the places said 40 percent of the employees tested were positive for the coronavirus which is interesting when you go back to the test they did in germany the town at the epicenter and it was like 17 percent. you go to the diamond princess that first cruise ship that was infected that was like 17 percent. you go to the theodore roosevelt the aircraft carrier i believe it is and that was infected like 12 percent. and they tested people that lived with people with the virus in china in one city and it was like 15 to 20 percent. so there's it seems to me that there is a really big part of the population not even are the ones that get this and they have antibodies and then didn't know and there's a lot of those but it seems like there's a lot of people who should have been infected because they were in close quarters with people that had this that aren't getting the disease well i see only two possible explanations one is that somebody is with an agenda is fudging the numbers for reasons that are not necessarily clear yet uh kind of like how every traffic accident in new york city is a covid death because hospitals get uh payouts from the federal government if somebody dies of covid yes. the only other possibility i can come up with is that these people are all taking turns licking the meat well maybe they're packing it and yeah. maybe they're all spreading it that way and yes mutter in the troll room wouldn't hurt immunity be better than a vaccine yes but more people would probably die to get there and harry hamster points out something even more important that i have not really seen in any of the coverage and if you have let me know but when it comes to these tests with everything else people give you a margin of error that says well you know the test with the poll could be accurate within you know three to six percent yeah i've never accurate seen anything five percent yeah what's the, what is the error rate on these tests that we're using for the numbers uh, i i don't know at, at what what is the error rate that you would give a test where i roll a die and take that and give it as the result for everyone i mean the error rate can't be more than what 30 40 percent that would be pretty high yes just random theory yeah I, I mean statistics are awesome i think i think if you if you flip a coin then the absolute worst case error rate that you're going to get if you flip a coin enough times is like 25 percent because because you're you're half give or take a quarter yeah math it's a great yeah. thing. I mean, you should be teaching people a math class because you are a math genius. 
You have the degrees. Uh-huh. You are actually an expert at math. I, I, I am. I'm an expert. Let's just leave it at that. I want to say it. Everything. Sir Bemrose is an expert. Yeah. Yeah. Sir Bemrose is an expert. Uh, one of the stories, another good news thing. I, this is where I, technology actually works. The top scientist at NVIDIA, you know, the guys that make all those cool video cards, has developed an open source ventilator that can be built with $400 in readily available parts. So much for these forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 ventilators, huh? Well, $40,000, $50,000 is usually, that's, that's the markup because <laughs> you put the word medical in front of something and the price goes up 10x because... Only a certain number of people are allowed to say, you know, I, I could go into another anti-government rant having to do with licensing and certificates of need and the, re- the fact that the government steps in and, and regulates the medical industry so much that it doesn't look anything like that might be the most socialist thing that we have in the country is the fact that nobody can take a shit in the medical industry without some government regulator looking over it first. But I'm going to put that off. Um, yeah, $50,000. That that seems about right for some tubes and a face mask. Sure. It's a fairly simple machine when you really look at it. And yeah, it, you're hooking a fan to a tube to a mask to force air into someone's lungs at the right amount of pressure. I mean, you don't want to well, blow the lungs okay, out. So there's some details associated <laughs> with it. <laughs> which is what's the problem and i don't know if this ever was fixed apparently my air compressor was was not sufficient or not the right choice but when people start floating up (laughs) as their lungs explode uh you know we talked about that the doctor that came out and said you know ventilators aren't the problem but with this disease the the settings they're using are great for other diseases but this it's actually doing damage and he was begging for those numbers to be changed i don't know if they ever were because the media again would have to be journalists to cover that story when you hear that 80% or so of the patients in New York that went on ventilators died. I'm wondering if that data just didn't get to them soon enough. And I really do. I feel bad for every doctor that has to be on the front line where this thing has run completely amok and out of control. There was a story out of Brooklyn of a, a doctor that killed herself after dealing with this for weeks and weeks and weeks. And uh, it's, it's a high stress job. And the people that are doing it should be you know, applauded for it. But you're dealing with things at such a fast pace and not looking. There's so much speculation that it would really be sad if this doctor that we heard about saying that the numbers needed to be dialed down, if what he was saying was lost in all of the static of all this other bullshit that the media was pushing about Trump's a dick and hydrochloroquine doesn't work, the that doctor talking about that, I didn't see anywhere but on fringe sites. And when you see 80% of the patients in some place like New York who go on ventilators dying, I'm guessing he might have been right because that's a pretty high number. I just want to pull out an extra douchebag jingle for every single <laughs> politician or anybody else who has decided to take uh, what is undoubtedly a, a, a situation of national concern and decided to turn it into politics every single person who is like yeah this this covid thing this coronavirus is is a little bit of a problem but but orange man bad like fuck you you need to be punched in the face yeah vaccinated right in the jugular when 9-11 happened which was the last nationwide emergency that we had granted completely You, you mean the one that's still going on yeah but completely different thing But 
when that happened, everybody pulled together. Nobody played politics. George Bush, W, went to New York to throw out the first pitch. I think it was in one of the playoff games, World Series games, and got a standing ovation. You know, liberal New York applauding the Republican president. Yeah, that, that was pretty awesome. I don't think it's correct to say nobody played politics, but I think it is correct to say that at the time, the media, the news coverage was much more neutral and therefore did not highlight the people playing politics. I think that in the last 20 years since 9-11, the the priority given to playing politics is significantly higher. There were certainly people doing it, but those people were rightly ignored. That's the correct way to deal with that sort of bullshit. And nowadays they're they're the people doing it are in much higher positions. Like, uh, like the highest ranking Democrat in the entire country. Crazy Nancy. Is, yeah. Who, who is a uh, selfish psychotic cunt who cannot do anything that doesn't, try to highlight how much vitriol she has for the president, even to the point of trying to tear the nation down. Um, or it, you know, lots of people who are now much higher placed, who don't have the decorum or simple level of respect to acknowledge that the country should come before your own petty political squabbles combined with the fact that the, all of the media outlets that we are theoretically getting our news from are so compromised and biased that politics is all we get from them. Yeah. Which is dangerous. You're not going to like, you would never get the story of if, if Trump were to go throw out a pitch on a, a, at a baseball stadium, first of all, everybody would be like, um, stadium's empty. Why are you here, sir? But, (laughs) Even if if he were to do that, the same thing that Bush did, you wouldn't get uh, a bunch of stories about how this is, you know, a return to normalcy. You'd get a bunch of fucking tedious adult dipshits who bloggers who call themselves journalists trying to nitpick every single thing about, oh, well, you know, he actually they called it a strike, but it was on the inside corner. But uh, I think it was a little bit low and therefore uh, Trump lies. what kind of reporting is that? It's not reporting at all. And if I were Trump, I'd start really screwing with the media. Like I would come out and say the exact wrong start? thing. He's been doing that since 2015. <laughs> You're right about that. <laughs> but I'd come out and be like, yeah, I think we're going to open up everywhere tomorrow. And then just give like the news media like three minutes to run the stories of how much of an idiot he is. And then just be like, no, no, I'm just messing with you. We're not going to do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and then see how many people print the retraction. Uh, you know, or update the story and and they don't but not any no one person could be wrong all of the time and but they want you to believe that trump is even though they have all of the video all of this stuff which nancy pelosi do you see the clip where she was saying trump you know well he you know he didn't do enough at the early part of this and the person that was talking to her the reporter was actually trying to do their job which was surprising because i think it was on one of the liberal that networks right that said well, you know, he did shut down all of the flights in from China and Nancy Pelosi came back with, well, you know, he was still letting me like other people in like citizens are, you know, our citizens coming back from China and stuff, you know, so he didn't shut down everything, but it's like, wait, you said he shouldn't yeah. shut it down back then. <laughs> and now you're like, well, he shouldn't have even let American citizens back in that were this, in China. This, this thing that Adam Curry would call ant fucking. That's, that's what 
That's what people do to Trump. Every single time he says something, then they have to pick it apart and try to find you know any angle that they can come up with to determine, oh, this was actually wrong because he said 52% and uh, it was actually 51.7. So what Trump should do is come out and say something like, well, I think what we want to do is totally fund Planned Parenthood because they're really important. And then, you know, people would turn on Planned Parenthood <laughs> in an instant. They would I, fuck that organization. I'll never give them money. Well, okay. Right. Why does Trump like them? Yeah, I mean, he should I, try I, that. I mean, you could really play into this if you know uh, if you know how the reaction's going to be or you just try and, to make these people just look like so much of the hypocrite that they are. But you make it so bad that even the normal idiot voter can't miss it. There, there was a quote I heard about Trump during the campaign uh, that uh, I think is still true today. And that is that uh, his supporters take him seriously, but not literally. Correct. Which is to say they, they kind of go along with the fact that he's a smart ass and he jokes around and he'll say things where what he means is not exactly the words that he says, but the meaning co- comes across uh, the People who are trying to pick apart Trump will take him literally, but not seriously, because they don't pay any attention to the meaning of what's said. Instead, they try to nitpick and ant fuck the words. Well, yeah, Nancy Pelosi's telling people that Trump said people should inject bleach. It's like, no, he didn't. <laughs> well, maybe she should. Maybe, maybe she no, does. Um, maybe she, that that might be. <laughs> low cost botox for lizards yeah that may be how you do it with the lizards a little bit of bleach under the skin but they were like harassing him too about the uv thing saying oh we can maybe get that in the body like oh what a moron and then you read a story a few days later that there is a hospital somewhere that's using like uv tubes going down into like people's throats to you know treat because that's where the coronavirus starts in these patients is in the throat and they've been testing, you know, putting a UV tube down people's throats and trying to eradicate the virus that way. So, yeah, I mean, everybody wants to say Trump's an idiot, except they don't want to do the homework again to go, oh, wait, medical science is actually trying something similar to what I, he's saying. I, huh. uh, yeah. Uh, uh, wait, that's actually not that radical. I don't know. <laughs> right. Like I, I, I mean, you, you can. One thing that I think would would help everybody out here is is a little bit of UV therapy is is go outside, stand around in the sunshine, maybe go for a walk. A little exercise doesn't hurt. Little little sunlight. Get out of your house. I think we're all going crazy. No, I like my house. I don't want to leave. I'm, I'm really okay, like then take then take your house with you. I don't like house with. I, I do. I feel just like Adam Curry, who's like this. Really hasn't changed my day to day living all that much. Yeah. And I mean, maybe that's why we're not going insane. Yeah. As I mentioned before, when I had my five retinal surgeries being face down overall for about seven weeks in a row. So not only at home, but being forced to look down at the ground. If you can't stay at home for a month on the couch and watch TV, you're a pussy. I bet you by the end of that had memorized exactly where every one of those carpet fibers was and and how it was laid out. and the pattern yeah probably it, had to change the carpets afterward like i can't stand this pattern anymore you know that was a part of it well the great thing was having the ipad pro which is just a great tv that you could lay flat on the floor and watch 
you know, looking straight yeah. down where you can't do that it, with it, a lot of things. Was it, was it close enough that you could reach and configure it? Or did you have to call your wife in to change the channel? No, I could do that. Cause I was basically okay. learned how to sit in a recliner with the thing, not reclined. So sitting right at the front of the recliner, just hunched over and I would fall asleep that way too. I don't know. I never fell out of the chair, but, uh, it was not a fun thing to do, but if you, if people can go through that, you can stay at home for a couple of months. Uh, that- still sounds awful i don't think I, I don't recommend people go through that it doesn't sound like any fun at all no i don't think most people could do it for a day uh, much less for weeks on end i mean again sleeping same thing which is put your head in one of them donut things looking straight down and that was the most claustrophobic out of all of it and the only thing that really saved me was figuring out i could take a uh, basically an external computer fan that i had gotten for review on amazon that was basically like a little personal desk fan and run that so it was blowing air underneath because i was sleeping on the floor you know just an inch or two off the floor with the mat with your head in this thing so that's the claustrophobia really was bad until you put the air on once you could feel air on your face you kind of you know felt quite a bit more at ease and listening just to a lot of podcasts um and and was that air recycled covid virus (laughs) no thank god and and the the weird thing was though listening to i would just put podcasts on and all night long because it was really uh the the stress of the situation and uh you know it was just kind of a freaky thing to begin with but if you sleep while listening to podcasts all night long you'll have some very weird oh dreams. my gosh <laughs> i i i've fallen asleep with no agenda playing before and can confirm that that will mess with you yeah, because it's like you feel like you're having a conversation with the people you're listening to. It's weird. So speaking of math, yes, I have uh, a, a little bit of good news. Uh, this is a uh, the the survey was just released, but it was a Pew survey conducted in June of 2019. Pew 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 pew. Uh, I always love that name. Fifty two percent of Americans, as of June 2019, have. In and this this was talking about the previous six month period, have decided to not use a product or service because of privacy concerns. That's a lot. Uh, and it says, let's see, uh, about half of U.S. adults said they decided recently to not use a product or service because they were worried about how much personal information would be collected about them. Uh, the most common reason cited was because people were asked to share personal information as a prerequisite to using the service uh one quote from uh it said a 29 year old female said my smart tv requested permission to collect audio data and other types of data for research i am not comfortable with that so i declined way to go audio data and other types of data (laughs) that's that seems real specific doesn't it they mean video because they yeah audio data and everything else like we're we're going to record you and then everything else that happens in your house we're going to yeah as i've mentioned when we talked about these things in the past though i want to know that 50% or so that answered yes to that how many have a smartphone within 3 inches of their body most of the day almost all of them yeah. and it says a product or service and each one of them probably the most of them probably said yeah there there was one service in six months that i said no i'm not really comfortable with this and and then went back to giving up their personal data to the other 75 services they use per day or don't know Uh, what they're giving up but but it's progress it is 
Uh, and the, let's see the services that were, de- they decided not to use 21% said websites, uh, 11% said electronics, only uh, 10% said social media, which I, I admit is progress, but only 10%, 90% of you are fucking sheep with regards to that social media. <laughs> just saying, um, DNA financial and healthcare services, 10%. Uh, and then here's the parts where, where I feel like where there's room for improvement. Uh, 3% contests, sweepstakes, surveys, and quizzes. Every single one of those online quizzes is out there for no reason other than to turn you into data. Never take those. Those are terrible. No, it wants uh, to tell you whether you're a Rachel or a... Uh, um, or a Karen. Right. Yeah. Or a Karen. You know, I'm thinking <laughs> friends. Uh, you're, are you a Rachel or a Phoebe? Oh, I don't know. Let me answer 46 questions. Yeah. No. Uh, 1% said games and 1% said free downloads, trials, or samples. So, so hint to you, marketing people, free shit still works. Um, the, uh, the reasons cited for not wanting to use these products, um, uh, 15% said having to share general personal information. 9% said the service is untrustworthy and 8% said being surveilled. Um, then, uh, let's see. The, the next one, actually pretty legit. 5% said that they didn't use it because they didn't have access to a device needed. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't have a phone, uh, so I, guess I at, can't use your... L- less than 1% said it was because it wanted to allow cookies on their device. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, come to think of it, I'm not certain this is, <laughs> this is necessarily good news, but yeah, like I said, it's, it's getting better, but uh, all, all you all need to start realizing just how much your data would be worth if you kept it to yourself. There is a show idea that we, I know we've touched on some of this, but it might be time for a refresher that somebody basically suggested over on no agenda social. And if you want to get on no agenda social, go to grumpy There's a link there an invite that you can join no agenda social, which is basically Twitter federated without all the bull crap. But the suggestion was again, as we've talked about before, getting not just Google, but getting rid of the big privacy sucking companies out of your life. And would it be worthy of doing like a, a whole show on, you know, okay, we, we don't use Microsoft Word or Microsoft Office, I guess what they're calling it now for the whole suite. Uh, you know, what's a good alternative to where you're not being tracked? I mean, forget even that what's free and what's not. I, I have to admit, I do trust I, I, I am more willing to use Microsoft products than products from, say, Facebook or Google, because while Microsoft has just as much desire to farm you for information as Facebook or Google or Twitter, they suck at it. They're really not good. I've seen their data collection techniques and uh, I, they're, they're still five years behind the other Silicon Valley companies. So your reason for wanting to use Microsoft product would be their incompetence. Yeah. Who knew incompetence can make people want to use your product? I don't actually want to use it, but there are some times when somebody sends you a fucking doc file. You're like, what, what's wrong with text, HTML, any open format? Like, and by the way, special fuck you to people who still think that PDF is the right format for data. No, just it it HTML is superior in every way. And, and if you don't have to have the pictures, then uh, goddamn text file. What the fuck? And pictures was another thing people were talking about. So this was, you know, whether it's a whole show, half a show, whatever, like what should people use instead of, you know, Gmail or Yahoo mail? What should people use rather than 
the you know iCloud, which will store your photos, Amazon Prime or uh, Google will store your photos. So most people are using one of those, you know, how to roll your own server for where it makes sense or, you know, getting your own box somewhere online that you can sync all of your data up to. It might be a worthy thing to go just step by step and say, OK, you don't want to use this mail service. We recommend, you know, something like ProtonMail, which we talked about now. It's all open source or I, I don't. I've been thinking about biting the bullet. We need more donations to Grumpy Old Ben's before I'm going to bite the bullet on the $500 Helm device, but I would like to test that out, or we could get a full report again from our buddy, um, Sir Dude Named Benonymous, who runs that. That's the, the one home email server that I think most people can actually deal with running, because otherwise setting up your home own email server is... Uh, a mess for somebody that's not a professional but there's a lot of things pictures file syncing um like you said the uh, online word processing whether pe- some people use the google docs and obviously microsoft has their own you know go through all of these things that people are using and really look at what the best alternative is if you can do it yourself and roll your own that would be first but if you can't roll your own like email then at least have something like proton mail to say hey you don't want to be on Yahoo. You don't want to be on Google. But, you know, ProtonMail at least is fairly safe and go through all of those things, all of those categories. Th- this is a product you think we should generate? Okay, can we? Gen- I mean, you're a coder. Can we generate a product that ev- I mean, everybody trusts well, you? I, don't I, they? I'm not writing all of these apps, but I was thinking more like it sounded like you were you were pimping a, a recommendation show where where we do nothing but but recommend what apps are are best for the privacy conscious yes dude named ben or somebody who i mean that seems like something we would be capable of doing considering that we're probably using most of them anyway yes and just to be able to explain why and to understand that if people aren't very technically advanced you know hey is this something that you could put grandma and grandpa on without them losing their crap because they can't figure it out well here here's a hint most of the things that are uh best for you are not easy it's the same reason why people still use microwave dinners is is if it's for some reason being terrible for you and high convenience seem to go together that is Uh, true and a lot of you know a lot of the stuff that protects your privacy will come from an open source project and the reason is that it's not being driven by a giant corporation who sees dollar signs when they want to steal your information. So that's what to get. But then, uh, you know, the, the giant corporations, part of the reason or part of the thing they spend all of those extra dollars on is the, the extra 80% of coding effort required to make it easy to use. That's, that's the dark secret about, about, uh, coding projects that, that a lot of people don't really acknowledge, especially with regards to open source is that the first 90% of the work is just getting the damn thing to work. And then the next 90% of the work is trying to make it easy to use. And generally, if you're a programmer on the open source one, you don't want to do that other 90%. Sometimes they just want to change the search bar and put that somewhere differently. Oh, you heard you heard Adam Curry yesterday on, uh, I think it was on the No Agenda pre-show when he he went off on Skype saying, uh, "Yeah, they they moved the search box from the toolbar to the title bar, and now it's harder to find." And and he could not understand why that search box moved. By the way, I, I have an explanation for why that is. Do you want to hear it? Yes, yes, I would. 
it's because programmers who are people, uh, many of whom are vain because they think that they're smarter than you. Uh, they might be right, but that just makes it worse. Um, they worked very, very hard on creating an update. And the worst thing that could possibly happen when a programmer or, or generates an update to their software is that nobody notices what changed. <laughs> and so if, you know, it, and by the way, the, the vanity is not just a vanity thing too. In, in most software shops, you get promoted by creating something splashy that everybody notices and talks about and as you know some cool new killer feature that's how you get a promotion nobody gets a promotion for spending six months fixing a concurrency bug that causes a a one in 30 chance of something crashing if you connect to the wrong server that might be just as much work but nobody gets promoted for it because it's not flashy it's not interesting this isn't the way that programming should be done but that at least where i was if you wanted to get promoted, you had to go create something new that people noticed. Well, so, they did. In this case, it was the Outlook interface that they, the change was oh, made. Oh, it was Outlook, not Skype. Yeah. It, it was Outlook. But so now let me ask you this. So is the guy or gal or binary, non-binary human being that made that change, is he scouring the internet and Twitter and stuff for people bitching about this so he could laugh and be like, ha they noticed me. I would not be surprised. <laughs> I, I knew it was going to piss him off. Yes, Yay. I, I mean. I did that. <laughs> I won't lie. <laughs> I did that when when I made a change to the moment that I knew the change was live and out out in the uh, uh, open. Yeah, I'd fucking go scour the search engines, be like, and, and what does people have to say about this feature? Somebody, please, somebody talk about the feature that I made. Yeah. Do people love happens. me or do they hate me? Yeah, and and, and you know what? E- either one is fine as long as they're talking about me. That's that's how I know that the programmers can be vain mofos because I was one of them. Nice. Still, I'm a programmer. I just don't I, I don't have much of a chance of getting promoted when I'm not currently at the company. Right. So if anybody that works, if anybody out there needs a high quality programmer, just contact Ryan at grumpyoldbens.com. He'll or at write least your an app. outspoken one. Right. He'll write your app and then tell I am an expert. He will take he will take one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to write your company's app. And then tell people not to use yes. it. Yes. <laughs> as long as you accept that I'm going to tell people not to use the app, but I'll write it for you. Yeah. That seems for, for money. Cha-ching. I'll take that. That seems fair. And so we will look at doing that episode because I think that would be interesting. Just the uh, how to get people off the bad companies to better software. And, uh, you know, just a quick touching on uh, NordVPN. We've talked about VPNs a lot and we talked about WireGuard before. And just it was beautiful because my. Mulvad, which is month to month, and they don't give you a discount for signing up for a year, two years, whatever. They just charge you your five bucks or whatever it is a month. And the day that expired, before I went in and gave them another five bucks, my NordVPN updated, and bingo! NordVPN now has the WireGuard protocol implemented, and they did something even and more. You're a pretty big fan of the WireGuard. It's the speed. It is absolutely the okay. speed. And I wasn't aware of the fact that. You know, most people seem to think WireGuard is just as secure. Nord didn't think so. So they went one step further and added something with dual NAT translation now to really anonymize things. But the overall heard that NAT wasn't a security. It was security through obscurity. Yes. And but but then again, enough layers of obscurity can help you anyway. Yeah. So they added that. The speed on Nord, again, this is brand new, so we're going to have to go through and test it out a little more. But 
on the normal old protocols, you were getting, you know, somewhere 70 to 100 megabits per second on good days. And we have a gig, you know, account here with the WireGuard, you know, on Mulvad, I was hitting up to 300 and with Nord right out of the box, it's hitting, you know, up to 200. So it's doubling the speed at this point. And we'll follow that as it goes. But yeah, the, this big time, two to three times the speed from 70 up to, you know, 200 megabits per second. So the speed's good. And it definitely does keep you a little bit safer in these troubling times where people might want to be stealing your data. You don't use the Cerebemrose so th- VPN? I, I, I don't because that guy can't be trusted. He well, is an expert, though. That is, that is true. He's an expert on so many things, but... Do, we, do you have any other stories we can get into the donations? Uh, the only here? other, the only other thing I had uh, that I, I came across in my in my research was a uh, uh, story. It wasn't a story. It was uh, from the Walmart Media Group. It, it was a list of do's and don'ts for advertising creatives if you are in in the era of COVID nineteen, uh, and it it has things like. Uh, do be extra sensitive and use an abundance of caution in language images. Uh, don't use language puns or jokes associated with illness in general or the pandemic. Uh, uh, it, it recommends things like uh, pre-COVID-19, you might have uh, advertised uh, Flonase is the, to- the product. It says, you know, pre-COVID-19, it would have said breathe easier. And post-COVID-19, they say spring allergies. Wow. Uh, Anyway, there's there's a long list, and I can definitely include that in the show notes. That that's not the yeah. I, I I'm not sure that that's great. Uh, it, but what really got me was uh, a quote from the list right, right near the beginning that said, uh, <clears throat> "Brands understandably want to be sensitive and authentic while connecting effectively with customers in their hour of need," which just fucking set me off. Um, here, here's a tip for. If, if, if marketers if if you're getting paid to speak a message it's not fucking authentic is it that's not what authentic means authentic from merriam webster uh adjective not false or imitation real actual or true to one's personality spirit or character in other words it authentic if you're saying something authentic it's what you mean it's what you intend it's it's true to you if somebody else is paying for it, that's not your message. That's a marketing message. That is a message from somebody who's paying you. You are getting paid to put on a false face. There's nothing authentic about that. Marketing and authenticity are mutually incompatible. Stop it. But during all, these troubling times, we're here for you, our family Sorry, at Grumpy I Old just, Ben's. I, I, hearing some marketing message saying this is how you make your marketing authentic it, it, it here's the translation whenever you hear somebody talk about authentic marketing just take that term and replace it with a much shorter one called lie <laughs> well yes and you know i understand the knee-jerk reaction that you want to put something out there you want a virtue signal and be like my company is good we care about you but you know the truth they care about the money first and foremost. Otherwise, they're out of business. Um, but as of yet, nobody. And uh, would you buy from a company if McDonald's came out yeah. and said, "Hey, McDonald's, we don't fucking care if you're sick. We need to schlep burgers. Come buy two for a buck." 
<laughs> you know what? That that would be more effective marketing on me than than what comes out there. Here, here's another one. Don't play into fears and anxieties of American families. Avoid messaging such as 10 products you need to stay safe. Do continue to use imagery of hero products, individuals, families, small groups, and home and natural settings. In other words, everything is fine. Nothing to see here. Enjoy your time at home because it's safe there. And our products are the heroes that will keep you safe. This is fucking bullshit. If you're a company that sells masks and sanitizer, you can't say these keep you safe. No. (laughs) Well, not not according to the Walmart Media Group's marketing guidelines. And and it's it's the very topic of the story says do's and don'ts for advertising creatives. What the when did when is creatives uh that that's that's an ad that's not a noun that's not it it is fucking presumptuous and uh, just hubris to say uh, what's what's your title i'm an advertising creative well it does require a certain amount of creativity to figure out which kind of lie is going to trick your victim into paying for your garbage but calling yourself a, a creative is And if a company is paying you to sell their products and you can make 10 times more money by playing upon people's fear, aren't you not doing your job correctly if you don't use whatever's at your disposal? Oh, certainly. Uh, You you are. That's what you just described as capitalism, and I'm all for it. I'm, I'm not saying that these people shouldn't be allowed to do these things. I'm saying we should scorn them for it because it's fucking low. Yes. Unless it's actual reality, which most of the time they're not. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I have met people who are in marketing and advertising who say, well, we only, you know, tell the truth and we just like to raise awareness about something people would like. And, and, and yeah, it is theoretically possible to walk a very fine line uh, between trying to propagandize people and convince them to buy shit they don't want or need. Uh, and just letting them know, you know, the, the Holy grail about the, the personalized advertising. Remember back in 2014, when everybody was talking about targeted ads were the solution because everybody hated blanket ads for shit you don't need or don't want. And the whole benefit to targeted ads was these are going to only be advertising to you things that you already wanted. And therefore they're the good kind of marketing. And how's that fucking working out? We've taken all your data. We have a portfolio on you. We can tell you more about you than you know. Uh, all, all I'm saying is that in in marketing, there's a line between the the good type, which is just spreading awareness, and the bad type, which is trying to emotionally manipulate people. And I can tell you which side of the line all the money's on. So frankly, if marketing <laughs> is in your job title, um, you've got one foot in the Nazi camp already, just letting you know. It's an interesting thing moving forward. One of the other things Bill O'Reilly's been talking about is making sure that places like schools, restaurants, businesses can't be sued for COVID things moving forward. You know, saying, oh, well, the, my boss made me dare come back to work and then I got COVID, so I'm going to sue the company. Um, <laughs> you know, that's where it's going, which. Yeah. Yeah. And I look forward to laughing at these people. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting time in america and around the world but that's what we're here for at grumpy old ben's 
to try to poke the bear, bring some information around that will hopefully be logical, that we can bring a little bit of sanity back, and we want to have a little bit of fun at the same time, because otherwise it's not entertaining and it's no fun for us. But we hope you like what you're hearing here on Grumpy Old Bands. We do work on the value for value model that we learned from the No Agenda podcast with Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak, which is we put all these shows out there. We don't charge for them. We don't have one of those bad paywalls. We don't even have marketing experts that are trying to play upon your sympathies to separate you from your money. We just say, if you like what we're doing, go to grumpyoldbens.com. There are a multitude of ways that we can take bits and bytes from your bank account and put them into ours. It's a wonderful system. And on this show, we have Jay Noah Davis with his monthly subscription, which we greatly appreciate. And we have Harry Hamster, who included a short note that just said, bribe, comma, Harry Hamster. So I don't know if we're supposed to bribe Harry Hamster or if this is a bribe from him. But if he's bribing us, I don't know what he's bribing us to do. I I, I got you covered. I just gave him a plus plus in the troll room. That was okay. Cool. Bribe. We're (laughs) totally done. Bribe us again if you want more. But that's the the way to do it. Grumpyoldbens.com. And, uh, you know, we have Patreon. I have to get to the post office. I know we already gave the the donation. It's due a few shows ago. But it's like, yeah, why go out to the post office? Really? The only thing, the only safe way to do I, that I, is I like, understand. At mid, you know, at midnight, you, you set up this, this PO box, not realizing that it would force you to leave the house. I understand <laughs> how frightening that must be. No, I don't want to leave the house. I have people bring me stuff. Now groceries come here. They just show up at the doorstep, which is way, way easier. Yeah. I mean, my, yeah, my there's wife a, vague... has a service where, where people who leave the house then, you know, bring her stuff. It's called me. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, I don't have you though. So really well i i I offered to bring you stuff the (laughs) zephyr's running again i I did see that so i mean you can zephyr doesn't come through your neighborhood though so how are you hopping on i i i I have no choice but to go to california for that yeah that's not something you're going to be doing but it's it's a high cost that is a high cost of entry and if you never get out i mean they're they're on such lockdown that that uh, that is in fact uh, a trip that i really want to take one of these days zephyr yeah or or any kind of cross-country train trip because that's some amazing terrain between you and me you know i have said the same thing especially because air travel sucks because we're both over six feet tall so fitting into a plane not a lot of fun and i like the fact you know once we get back to some sort of normalcy i think that would still be great to do a no agenda convention here in chicago but maybe everybody flies to california first and takes the 48 53 hour whatever it is zephyr from san francisco to chicago and just i no, i just what i'd probably end up doing is hop on amtrak cascades down to san francisco there you go get on the train i mean i I mean you know in the last decade they've only had one fatal crash (laughs) that i know of (laughs) yeah i mean it's safe safer than all this train travel probably not as safe as airline travel right uh well in it depends the the total number of crashes uh there have been more planes go down but uh per people trip uh, i there's not much there's not much that's safer than planes uh and and admittedly you know driving from your house to the airport is far more dangerous especially with some of the assholes on the road out here i prefer dirigibles you driving a dirigible sure i I haven't tried that before now i want to (laughs) buy one let me know how it goes 
But with that said, thank you to everybody for hanging out with us, especially those who show up at the No Agenda Troll Room at noagendastream.com and hang out with us as we do the shows. But until next time, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America where I got plenty of stakes and I'm not losing my mind. And from America's left coast, where we only podcast with experts, I'm Ryan Bemrose.